Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Please consider supporting Black Women United, YEG, for the protection and advancement of black women and girls in Alberta. You can learn more about them at bwunited.ca. They are always looking for donations and volunteers. So please, again, support Black Women United, YEG, for the protection and advancement of black women and girls in Alberta. Again, that website is bwunited.ca. Hi, I'm Jed Bodwin, and I live in Wichita, Kansas. I am a Patreon supporter for Creative Control. I discovered Creative Control some years ago, I think maybe while looking for interviews with Tommy Stinson of The Replacements, and uh, I stumbled across this this conversation that Vish had with Tommy Stinson that was really insightful. Vish held his own. I think Tommy can be a little bit of a difficult interview at times, and it went really well, and it really uh, got into some areas that I wasn't expecting, and I thought, gosh, I have to listen to more of this guy and his podcast. Sometimes I'm not necessarily a fan of the music or musicians that uh, Vish will have on the show, but I always appreciate their creative process a little bit more. And uh, more times than not, though, it does lead me to uh, finding a new musical artist that I'm interested in or to think a little bit differently about maybe some artists whose work I've overlooked. So, you know, go ahead and if you've been waiting at all to support Vish and Creative Control, now is probably the best time to do it. I know as a public radio employee here in Kansas, listener-supported broadcasting, whether it's podcasts or radio itself, really isn't a thing of the past. It's actually very much a thing of both the present and the future. So, yay Vish, yay Creative Control. To make your flexible monthly donation to Creative Control, please visit patreon.com slash creative control today. Brett Daniel and Alex Fischel are both musicians, songwriters, and singers currently based in Austin, Texas, and Los Angeles, California, respectively. For almost 30 years, Daniel has been a driving force and principal songwriter in the influential, critically acclaimed, and powerful rock and roll band, Spoon. On February 11th, 2022, Matador Records released Spoon's excellent 10th album. It's called Lucifer on the Sofa, and it's prompted the band to hit the road, including one of their most extensive 
cross-Canada tours ever. Britt and Alex and I connected recently for a talk about the places we all live and the general state of affairs in the United States of America, the specter of Satan or Lucifer in our lives and our respective parents' attempts to make us religious as children, music, rebellion, but also musicals, synthesizers and rock and roll, Bill Callahan, Bob Dylan, and ZZ Top, rumors about the end of Spoon, future plans, and much more. A part of the Entertainment One Network with the support of listeners like you who follow and subscribe to this podcast and spread the word about it and make flexible monthly donations at patreon.com slash Control with additional support from Blackbird Music, a well-stocked record store with locations in Edmonton and Calgary, Alberta, and friendly staff who will happily help you fill your special orders for hard-to-find titles or say you want a copy of Lucifer on the Sofa by Spoon. Just head over to blackbird.ca. Maybe they'll connect you and uh, help you get that record of yours. You know, you know what I'm saying? Plus, in-kind support from Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, Ontario, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario. This is episode 700 of Creative Control, featuring the lovely and talented Britt Daniel and Alex Fischel of Spoon with your host, me, Vish Khanna. Hey, Britt, how you doing? Hey, Vish. What's happening? Oh, not much. Not much. Just, you know, enjoying life. Uh, how are you? I'm good. Where are you today? I'm in Austin. Oh, you're in Austin, Texas. I'm in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. All right, all right. We were just speaking yeah. to someone there. Oh, well, it must be Edmonton Day. That's fun. Oh, because you guys are doing uh, what Calgary Folk Festival and yeah, 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 yeah. Nice. That's great. Have you you've been here before? Have you? Yes. Okay. Right. <laughs> yeah, Alex. Yeah. Haven't we been there before? Yeah, we played. Didn't we? We just talked about. Yeah, this. we played at the. Uh, it was kind of like an opera type center. I forget what it was called, but we played with uh, White Reaper. Oh, the we played Jubilee. at Win- Winspear Center. Oh, yeah, the Winspear Center. Yeah. That's correct. Yeah, I must uh, confess to you that I'm relatively new to Edmonton. My wife's family is from here, and we moved ostensibly in January of 2020. And then, as you may recall, everything got shut down a couple months later. So I actually don't know the city very well. If that makes any sense, you yeah. Know right. Yeah. So it's a bit weird for me. I'm an Ontario person. In Alberta is what I'm getting at. And you've played Ontario many times, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and we're going back to Edmonton uh, to Midway Music Hall. Have you been to that one? No, I was supposed to go see uh, Future Islands there, I believe is what the invite was. But I didn't end up making it. I'm a bit low-key, Britt, I must confess. I yeah. Don't go, yeah. Not still well, and, not... you're, and you're new to the area. We get that. Yeah. <laughs> I will I will try to make it out for your upcoming Edmonton show for sure. That's nice. Uh, how are things in Austin today? You know, the world is weird today, and uh, it's we're in the middle of a heat wave here in Austin. It's it's like an unreal uh, summer. I think it's 106 today. So I don't – in Celsius, let's see, what is that? 53. I'm going to guess 41. For, 41. 41? Oh, my God. Okay, yeah. that's horrible. Yeah. All right, well, I'm sorry yeah. to hear that. I'm sorry to hear that. Well, hopefully – 
uh, you can find some uh, refuge and respite from all that. Uh, also on the call, Alex, I heard you chime in there. Alex, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Uh, where in the world are you? I'm in Los Angeles. Also in a heat oh. wave, but not quite as extreme. I see. Now, I I heard tell that you had also relocated to Texas some some years ago. Is that true? I relocated to Texas while we worked on the album. I wanted to live out there while we were working just to, you know, make it a bit more low key. So you, you lived in Texas to make the record. And then when you did you feel like you had to hightail it out of there as soon as the record was done? Well, Get back to California? We, the, the idea was to, to spend the whole time we were making it living out there. But and, and I was there for like five or six months from like October-ish, October, November, maybe. I can't remember exactly when I headed out. And then March 11th hit, which was kind of the day that everything started to shut down, March 11th, 2020. Mm-hmm. And at first, you know, it kind of was, you know, I was like, yeah, I can weather a couple of weeks by myself. That's no problem. But slowly it became more apparent that there was no end in sight. And this was still when, you know, we were washing our groceries from the store and wearing gloves everywhere yeah. you went. You didn't know. Nobody knew how it worked. And somebody in the building I was living at got COVID. And, you know, I talked with Britt and Jim and was just like, are we, we're not going to be working for a bit, huh? And so then, yeah, I, I hightailed back home. Yeah. I see. I see. Okay. And, uh, do you, I mean, did you enjoy your time in Texas? Beyond yeah, it was, the, you know, it was great. I mean, the, it was the great for a while. The idea was for this record was, you know, to make it as a bit ba- more as a, as a band that, than we had before the, the last record before this one, Hot Thoughts. We, we used the studio a lot to make the record where, you know, we were writing in the studio more. And, uh, yeah, for this one, we wanted to kind of bring that energy of people being in the room together, playing together, being together. And, uh, you know, living in the same city as uh, Brit, Jim and Gerardo, you know, it allowed us to go to shows together and, you know, uh, decide if we wanted to that night on a whim, go try to work on something or, mm-hmm. you know, it was a lot more casual. And, you know, Austin's a great city. There's always something to do, always great shows going on. And I've never lived anywhere else, so it was a it was in that regard it was a cool experience too. Oh, you're like an LA guy. That's, that's I'm a, I'm a, I'm an LA guy. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Okay. Now, uh, Britt alluded to the fact that it's a weird day in the world, and uh, yes. I am a Canadian. We are America's hat, so we we know every <laughs> we we know that stuff's go. We we seem to know everything that you guys are up to. It's a horrible day. Right. As we're speaking, just to contextualize this for those listening, it's June 24th, 2022, and uh, the Supreme Court has overturned Roe versus Wade. Um, it has been such a tumultuous time uh, for your, your country, your citizens. Britt, from your perspective, and, and you know, you're in Texas, which I hear a lot about Texas, some problems in Texas. Britt, what is your frame of mind at the moment as an American, as a Texan, uh, with the state of your country when news like this is uh, circulating? Uh, it's just, uh, it's rough. I mean, it's just, uh, well, you know, politics seems to be working out great for the, uh, conservative minority in this country right now, you know, and Mm. it's very frustrating to watch that. Yeah. You know, 
we have a Senate where, you know, 70% of the people are, or 30% of the people have 70% of the vote. And it's just, then when that's the case, crazy things like this happen. Absolutely. Alex, uh, what, what are your thoughts on what's going on down there or where you are? I, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's baffling. You know, I would talk to my dad about this and he was like, there's no way that will ever happen. And I was, I, I was like, no, I just, just wait and see. I, I don't think, I don't think that's true. Mm. And you know, it's the, I texted him this morning and I was like, did you see? And he's, he's shocked because you know, there's the precedent of like a Supreme court decision here. It gets left. You don't, you don't mess with it afterwards. And that has totally changed now. Well, there's a complete erosion of uh, all of your institutions there, uh, and it sucks. I, I mean, it's hard. It, I will say, as Canadians, we, we get it's not trickle down because we're north of you, but it trickles up mm. the sentiments, right. the ideas, the mentality. Like we see it now, we get the odd. Not like you guys have gun violence and mass shootings and overt racism and display. Do you, uh, Britt? Did you hear about the uh, freedom convoy that occupied our capital city of Ottawa? Uh, a little while ago, did you hear about yeah, that? Yeah, I did hear about that. It seemed kind of MAGA-like, didn't it? <laughs> a hundred percent. A bit. Yeah, yeah. So we copy you. We, you're like America is like our big brother is where I'm coming from. So what I'm right. saying is, I'm not saying this with any smugness. I worry about what's going to happen to us up here, and I just wanted to express to you both that I feel badly for you because I, from what I can gather. This must be really horrible for you, Britt. I, I, I do. You have, all, what do your What is the recourse? What do well, you? Well, all I can hope is that all I can hope is, is that it's going to be a, a very a motivating event, and that this is day one of mm-hmm. turning it around. And what does that mean, though? Because I'm on the Twitter, and I see <laughs> people being like, "Hey, I voted. I voted and voted and voted and voted. Nothing happened. Like you're not. It doesn't sound like you're forlorn." And hopeless. Is that what you're saying, Britt? I'm saying I hope that it's going to be motivating. I mean, that's all I can do is look for some some kind of positive. But yeah, it's a bad, it's a dark day. Yeah, it's horrible. Um, Alex, just I don't want to leave you out of the notion of, uh, you know, asking a musician to help us fix all of the world's ills. Uh, Alex, what do you think uh, is going to happen? Do, or do you have hope? I'm... <laughs> I say vote locally as much as you can. Yeah. Get involved with local politics as much as you can because that seems to be That's the most positive thing be. I've heard you say in a long time. Yeah. Yeah, I mean we I've seen some really cool things happen here in LA. There were some local elections where LA's a weird city where the city council has more maybe more power than the mayor does and there were a lot of incumbents that were running up against super, not super progressive, but you know, much more progressive candidates than they had in the past. Mm-hmm. And there was big momentum behind a lot of them. And it started to get scary for these incumbents. And all of a sudden you're getting a lot of junk mail from them and people coming to your door for them, et cetera, et cetera. And on the day of the voting, it looked like the incumbent had won. Right. But with all the, mail-in votes that have been coming in since the progressive candidate has shot up past him by like nine, eight or 9%, which 
to me is amazing. Yeah. Cause that's, that's a direct, there's, that's a very, you, there's, there's, con- there's contact. There's more contact there between like a constituency of a city council member and, as opposed to like a senator or something like that. And I feel like, you know, if you can enact change locally, it branches out better that way. I, um, yeah, my, I, I will say for what it's worth, I fully agree with that sentiment. It's just getting harder and harder to view the, any of these acts uh, as having any positive efficacy. Like as we we're speaking, I was listening, for sure. I was listening to uh, one of your American podcasts there, the daily, the New York times one yesterday. Yeah. And they were saying, mm-hmm. they were talking about Joe Biden's got like a 39% uh, approval rating. And I was like, this is like during, and this isn't a reflection on Joe Biden, but like the January 6th, uh, uh, committee, uh, you know, that that thing's going right now. Like nothing, the fact that these things are even close is is where I'm at with it. Like the fact that Biden is considered equally bad to the last guy, the the other, the former right. guy, that's bonkers to me. Yeah. The fact that you're, you know, Alex, clinging to the fact that, you know, one candidate is shooting up eight or nine percent, eight or nine percent. Why isn't it a moral landslide? You know where I'm coming from there, Britt? Like, why isn't it just right. obvious? And, that's where I'm coming from. Yeah, I agree. That, and that's what was the, the day of the election. When I saw the results coming in, it was very disheartening because yeah. I thought, you know, this is a shoe in. There's been a lot of talk here about the city council and, you know, how it's a way to get things done better here, to, you know, to move in a more progressive, positive direction. Yeah. And the last time there was a council member up for uh, re-election here, uh, the incumbent got overthrown by someone that was much more progressive. So it was like, there's a precedent for this happening. Right. And it was so disheartening to see, like, you know, the incumbent is a Democrat. The guy that was challenging him, also a Democrat, but two left. So the Democratic Party kind of pushed against what the people w- were wanting, obviously. Yeah. And to see, like, the, you know, on the election day that the results were showing that the money had come in and this progressive politician had been, you know, kind of snuffed out. It was depressing. But yeah. the next couple of days, slowly he was inching forward. And the day that he uh, got the day he passed uh, the incumbent, I was felt like a renewed sense of hope, right. I, I would say, I guess. OK, yeah. no, I appreciate that. I know that these things swing. It's a pendulum. It's just frustrating to me. Uh, that that it, the, it never. I don't know. Just the lack of common sense here is uh, is where I'm coming from with it. Um, Britt, this record is called Lucifer on the Sofa. As I'm listening to songs like uh, The Hardest Cut, in particular, and The Devil and Mr. Jones, I can't help but feel like the political climate, if you will, uh, the landscape has permeated some of the songwriting on this record. Is that fair? Would you say that that's the case for some of the songs on this record? Yeah, I think you could make a case for for that on a on a couple songs, Devil Mister Jones, maybe. Yeah, is that unusual? Well, I, the hardest cut seems to be about leadership as well. If I may, English essay your album right now. <laughs> um, but do you, you know where I'm coming from with that? Uh, the hardest cut to me is about personal struggle, but you know I'm glad that you get that out of it. Well, and I appreciate that you appreciate what I appreciate about it. I mean, that's the way these things are supposed to work. But that song, yeah, exactly. that song, though, seems to be about failed institutions, uh, false prophets, if you will, not to quote uh, Bob Dylan. Uh, but um, 
that's where I'm picking up. It just seems like there's a lot of that permeating the air in your country. Uh, and it's from all sides, if you will, all political stripes. No one believes in anyone uh, or, or believes in anyone that anyone could be right or good. Um, and that's that's where I was coming from with that song in particular, The Hardest Cut. So hmm. you're acknowledging, Britt, that there's something something in the air made it into these songs, landed on the tape. There's no right or wrong interpretation of this, of, of any song, in my opinion. You know, and I get a kick out of people having their own stories attached to it. Yeah. Is it is it unusual for you to take on sort of socio-political uh, discussion? In if, I ta- if, I, if I take it on, it's usually sort of uh, in a, a bit of a sideways approach. And there's songs that to me always seemed very political, but to other people they don't. You know, like to me, the you know, a song like uh, Don't Make Me a Target yeah, uh, or even The Underdog was was written from sort of frustration with political events back then. Yeah. Uh, the song came really fast and then the verses ended up not really seeming about politics, but uh, you know, it's just the way that so- songs get formed, you know, and yeah. uh, however, however, however you interpret it is, is fine by me. I, I both appreciate and I'm scared of the responsibility you're foisting on me right now, uh, <laughs> that it's all really up to me. That's scary, but I'm, do you I'm want someone to, to say this is what it means? No, I don't. I'm just making jokes. Uh, I, right. I appreciate that it's open ended, and someone else will bring something else to it. I appreciate that as well. I'm just. I think it's the time. It's the context that I'm coming to these songs. You know, in prepper in preparing for this. This record's been out a few months now, right? So, what did it come out like February or something like that? So yeah, February. Uh, right, but I'm coming to it uh, in the context of us talking. I spent more time with it recently. And guess what's happening right now? A lot of fractured disillusionment, more polarity than ever. As we're speaking in a single week, your Supreme Court is destroying everything. This is spending the week just destroying Mm -hmm. everything. So that Mm -hmm. context feeds into my experiential, uh, you know, listening to this record experientially. You know what I'm getting at there? Yeah, I get it. I get it. All right. All right. I appreciate it. I appreciate you getting it. That makes sense. Alex... (laughs) Alex, I don't want to yeah. leave you out of this conversation because I find it... You, I don't feel left out. No, 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 no. I mean about the lyrics. and No, I didn't think... I, I think I'm being a pretty good host, goddammit. I'd, I'd say you are too. Uh, thank you. I appreciate that. Now, here's what I was going to say there, though, is uh, I have found in talking to bands, uh, when there's a primary singer or lyricist, I sometimes can make hay out of talking to the rest of the band members about their both objective and subjective experience with those songs because like you're you can say i didn't write it i don't know talk to the guy who wrote it but in making the records and touring behind them you hear these words in your head arguably more than anybody really uh beyond the the guy the person who came up with it i should say anyway my point is do you have any perspective on brit's mindset on this record in particular like uh, in an overall sense do you have a did you come away with an impression of like oh I think he's kind of getting at certain things here. Can you speak to that? Uh, I can't wait. I can say, <laughs> I can say that when I first heard the lyrics to the title track "Lucifer on the Sofa," I was pretty floored hmm. by them. I just thought it was a really earnest and like beautiful portrait of a time, and I could really, I could. You know, what I was taking away from it was like I could feel myself there walking along those streets 
whether that was because I had been living there or not, I don't know, but it just felt really tangible and really relatable. And I, I, yeah, I was super moved by them. Yeah. Can you, can you tell the people listening at home, maybe what this, within what you're just saying, I know I'm not asking you to tell me what you, what the song is about, but in your interpretation, can you expand upon that? What did you, what is it about per se from your reckoning? Me? It's about, Oh no, I was, no, no, Britt, you're, Brad, I'm I'm leaving you out of this because uh, okay, all right, gotcha, gotcha. I, I want I, I want Alex's take on it because I also okay. I'm trying to respect your your feeling of like it's up to you, man. I get it, I get it, I get what you're saying. <laughs> but Alex, this is why I think it's interesting maybe to ask uh, Alex. Sorry, Alex, do you mind speaking to that? No, not at all. There's this kind of intangible sense of loneliness to it, mm. and you know you have these desolate streets that you know. I know that they're not always desolate and you're walking around this shell of a city and you're sitting on the couch alone, kind of forced to look into the mirror a bit Hmm. because there's not a a lot else going on. And what you find sometimes isn't so great. Right. Yeah. What what do you make of the, uh, there's a, a couple of invocations of Satan, the devil, Lucifer. He has many names. They, they have many names. What did you make of that? Uh, I'm going to go again, Alex. What do you make of that? The fact that Brit is invoking this uh, this figure. Well, you know, it's a it's a powerful figure to you to draw upon. I mean, anything biblical has a lot of weight and power to it. Mm-hmm. But I mean, then you're getting into like theology a bit, I guess. Like my interpretation of the devil as a whole is not like a a. Uh, singular being that lives under the ground that's waiting for your soul. It's, you know, kind of the way that the song uses it as this uh, metaphor for the, you know, the darkness that everybody has in within them, yeah. you know, yeah. Uh, yeah. not like a, a figure, but more of a, like a, a feeling. That's, that's 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 a really fascinating interpretation. Britt, what do you make? This is going to be awkward now on the tour bus. Britt, what do you make of Alex's interpretation of of your use of Satan, the devil? Well, I, I think he I think he's right that in retrospect it's a metaphor. But I grew up in a in a situation, a couple of different situations where Lucifer was not a metaphor; it was a real entity, and mm. um, and it might have been that guy down under the ground. You know, it was more it was approached more like that. I went to, uh, like a, I guess you'd call it a Bible church, a Protestant, non-denominational Protestant church on one weekend. And then I, with my mom and then the other, other weekend I'd go to church with my dad, which was Catholic. And so I had a, I got a lot of it. Hmm. (laughs) They made sure I got a lot of it. Right. And when I, when I wrote the song, I wrote the lyrics pretty fast and what I, I didn't, I was trying not to judge them as they came out, but I liked that line, Lucifer on the sofa staring at you. It just seemed very creepy. And I pictured the real Lucifer on my couch staring at me and how, (laughs) and how creepy would that be? In retrospect, yeah, it's easy to make it a metaphor. And, and, uh, and Alex, you said it well about being forced to look into the mirror a bit. That's, yeah, that's, that's where it's all about. Right. I appreciate that. You know, I was uh, my parents are from India. Uh, I'm first generation uh, Canadian here, 
So they uh, came over and they had lots of expectations or they, they really wanted to make us as Indian as possible, even sure. though we were trying to uh, assimilate. Or well, I mean, I was born here. I didn't. My assimilation was the difference between being at home with my parents and being with the, right. the, white, the white kids. But they really stressed Hinduism. And I resisted it the whole time, pretty much. But at some point, I really began questioning them. Like, well, what do you mean we have to do that? Why do we have to do that? And they didn't have really solid answers. So in being fed uh, this mythology, if you will, about Lucifer, uh, Britt, did you have a moment where you were like, wait a second, there's no Lucifer. You're making this up. Did you have that as a teenager or something? I Well, I knew. I, yeah, I did. Um, I did not go easy with them, you know. Oh. And I rebelled a lot. Like right away? Yeah, by the time I was 11, 12. I mean, and we didn't have a lot of, I'm not saying that we had a lot of uh, deep conversations about it, but hmm. it was not easy for me to buy into those worlds. Yeah. Okay. Well, well, so you're, is it safe to say you're not a particularly religious person now? I mean, I, I have trouble answering that question. I, I, I'm a spiritual person, yeah, you know. Yeah. It's weird what you've been, what you grow up with believing, and how that affects you, and how parts of it never, never leave you, and mm. parts of it just seem wrong right from the beginning. Did did you eventually? So you, it's not something you ever took to your parents' way. No, I mean not to the extent, yeah. low level, sort of uh, philosophical faith or spirituality in something, but not subscribing to any personalities, so to speak, if we can call. We can call Lucifer a personality. He's just a colorful personality. Um, <laughs> no, I didn't really buy into everything. But a, but a low level, like, there's got to be a point to all this, if that makes any sense. I don't know how to put it any other way. Right. Yeah. Mm, is right. that uh, was that clear or was that too muddled, Britt? I don't know. If, if what it, no, I get yeah, that. Yeah. Just just like <laughs> not... See, this is the thing. So, Alex, I don't know. But the same sort of question for you, Alex. I don't know if, if ideas from your parents... Uh, were foisted upon you, and at some point you had to resist them. What I have found as I've gotten older is all the stuff I was just knee-jerk against uh, as a as a kid or a teenager, some of it is slowly assimilating its mm. way into my life as I'm older, maybe with children. I don't know. Right. But right. this notion of, like, there must be some tradition or heritage I can pass along here. I'm really wrestling with that right now because my kids yeah. don't know their Indian heritage very well, and it makes me feel... Like I'm a sellout or something. Like I'm not doing the culture right. Anyway, right. sorry, Alex. Did you have anything like what we're what we're discussing in your upbringing? Yeah, totally. My parents, my my dad's Jewish and my mom converted, hmm. and uh, they didn't have very stable homes growing up. So in their mind, a way to create like a normal, stable family was to get super involved in in religion. And I went to a Jewish school till I was like 14. Every Saturday, we had to go to temple. I didn't go out on a Friday night till I was like, till I was probably 14. Pretty strict. Yeah. And I can remember being in kindergarten, you know, five years old. And we're learning about Adam and Eve and, you know, Noah and his ark and all that stuff and just, being like this, how do people believe this? This is so obviously not real. Like this could never happen. Mm -hmm. And being so confused, like these, like by these, you know, the teachers are older. So you're like, 
you're supposed to be smarter than me, but you think this is real? <laughs> and, I, and, and maybe, maybe they didn't, you know, like, I don't know. I, I wasn't asking them that, but just the sense of like, what is going on? This is so bizarre. And especially because my parents were, you know, more strict and forceful with it. Yeah, I had a big rejection of it, especially when I finally eventually went to a normal high school with, you know, people from all backgrounds and sort of had this realization like, oh, my God, there's other people in the world, too. Yeah. You know, like I've never been around all these other people. And I felt kind of robbed of that experience until then. Yeah. But like you but like you you're saying like there's definitely some threads in like what I was taught not in like any literal sense but more like you said philosophical and like yeah. you know thoughtful. There's things that I that I've learned to appreciate like you know not as extreme as this by any means but like you know the the Jewish Sabbath is Friday night to Saturday night yeah. and you know, if you take it to the extreme, you're not using electricity. You're not. You're 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 just kind of like doing nothing. Yeah. There's something nice about that. I don't think you need to be as extreme as some people are with it, where they literally, you know, will find somebody to push a button in an elevator for them because they yeah. can't break the the law. I think that's just missing the point entirely. But this idea of you know slowing down for a day and kind of checking back in. I think there's something powerful about that. And, you know, like I don't, I don't, and I, you know, still I don't follow it, but the concept, it resonates with me. Well, here's a question for both of you. I'm going to go to Britt with it first, though, because I, I hear what you're saying there, Alex. I heard what both of you are saying, but I, one of the things I, if I ponder it, one of the reasons I resisted my parents' cultural or religious sort of teachings because I felt like I was being boxed in. I felt like it was a pigeonholing. And when I discovered arts and music and culture, particularly punk or indie rock or whatever, the open-endedness of it really appealed to me. Uh, Hip-hop in particular was a big one for me too. Like, oh my God, like if I, I was a liner notes kid. I would read the samples. I would be like, what's this jazz record? What's this? What's that? You know. And so the open-endedness of music and art and culture really... I, in a weird way, drew me even further away from what my parents were trying to instill in me. I don't know if that resonates with either of you. Britt, did music sort of take you in a direction even further away from maybe what your parents were getting at? Well, maybe, but I mean, uh, a lot of my appreciation for music comes from them. Oh. My dad played, uh, you know, he collects guitars and he would he would play acoustic guitar around the house all the time. He played records really loud. His way, my dad's way of waking us up when he was feeling funny was to put on a loud record and and uh, come dance into the room, you know. <laughs> and I got very obsessed not only from listening to the radio, but also just once I was allowed to put the needle on the record and do that and run that myself mm -hmm. as a little kid. Then, yeah that 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 was just uh, that was where my focus lied and. Uh, hmm. So not rebellion. Yeah, it was. There's a bit of pride there. You were connected to your your father in particular. I'm trying to think. There were there was there were certainly some records that they didn't want me to listen to, that were forbidden. Oh, you know? oh yeah. But of course, I, I found ways to to listen to them. Do you remember any of them? I'm just curious. 
Yeah, like a well, nineteen ninety nine by Prince oh. had a song called "Let's Pretend We're Married." I'm not allowed to listen to that in that, and I I think that you know the album itself was banned, but I could put it on a cassette that was not labeled, hmm. you know, and listen to it on the headphones. <laughs> well, now you're now you're um, in trouble on two fronts because you're bootlegging. You're not only listening to contraband; right. you're bootlegging the thing. Okay, I appreciate. We that. got in trouble with that <laughs> for that on the last interview too. <laughs> okay, uh, see, it's getting cracking down there. Alex, sort of same question. Do you think you were drawn to music and art or anything like that for any particular rebellious or self-assertion? Like, was there any of that at play? Um, I don't know. I mean, I have kind of a similar thing with Brick where, you know, I remember on Sundays there was a radio program here. I think it still runs called Breakfast with the Beatles. And... It was on every Sunday. Hmm. Um, my mom's stepdad was a DJ. So we had a really extensive vinyl collection. And my mom, she likes music more than my dad, for sure. My dad's kind of like more musical theater, I guess. He likes musical theater. Wild to me. But uh, my mom... Like musicals? Yeah, like he likes to listen to musicals. Yeah. Uh-huh, right. In his car, we he had like Phantom of the Opera, Les Mis, like probably one other uh, musical, and then like Fragile by Yes. Oh, and okay. uh, the that CCR compilation. So yeah. in Dad's car, it was Yes or CCR, please. I, I see, <laughs> which which was great. You know, I, I didn't loved, switch out the records a whole lot. Huh? No, he it was always he had the CD player in the trunk too. You know, like it was five disc right. kind of thing, and it oh right, yeah, it wow. was just always that's how it always was. CCR, if you think about it, each song is kind of like a mini musical. I, I'm just going to put that out there. It's a it's a broad huh. broad statement, but I kind of th- there's always like characters, and he's got that accent where he's from the south, sure. but he's from California. I it's guess, confusing. I guess the outlier there would be the Yes record that yes. that one. Yeah, that one is a little confusing with the musical theater stuff. But yeah, it's very vocal, <laughs> present. You know, you can understand the lyrics. He wants to understand the lyrics and hear the lyrics. Right. My mom was more into popular music. My mom, you know, she likes all kinds of music. I'd say she her like favorite is disco. Mm-hmm. So I listened. To, I was I was embarrassed by it at the time. You know, as a kid in the car with her listening to disco and she would be, you know, singing and dancing in the driver's seat. And I was so embarrassed. But, you know, I've come back to some of those songs and I love them now. Uh, Plus your mom is is why you learned piano, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't, I I don't, this is, this is a uh, controversial topic in the household. I don't remember, (laughs) I I don't remember asking to play, but uh, I supposedly I did. And she was very, good at making sure I practiced. Oh. And if she if she hadn't have been that strict about it, I, I wouldn't have. Hmm. So it's like a double-edged sword there where, you know, like... Now I, he's glad he had, did it, but at the time he, yeah. he was hating it. Every single sure. musician I talk to about... Like, I go through this with my son. Uh, they're on a routine now. Every day they practice for half an hour. But it's been... I don't mean to... You know, it's a, it's a... They don't like it. Children do not like learning piano. Is that what you're saying, Alex? You didn't like it. I hated the regiment of it. Yes. Um, yeah. 
you know, like it was very strict, like 30 minutes with a timer, you know, like oh, if, Oh my God, that's what I'm doing. If I was that's literally, if I complained, <laughs> if I complained, it got longer, um, oh, no. you know, and she would be oh, in the other room. And if she, <laughs> if she heard me mess up, she would say, you messed up, start, go back. You know, like, you know, she knows what the teacher told me because the lessons were at the house, you know, like, right. you know what you're supposed to do. And, you know, in as a kid, that's, it's infuriating. Yeah. But, you know, there's something to be said about if she hadn't have done that, I definitely wouldn't be as good as I am at it. Well, this is what I'm trying to Probably wouldn't um, be in this band. You wouldn't be in the band. You probably wouldn't no. have met. Yeah. And, and, you know, eventually you like, it, I got to a point where I figured out how to satisfy both because it ended up becoming my own thing yeah. as I, I, I got like a keyboard set up in my room with speakers and I could play along to music I liked. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Or, you know, like after I was done with the timer practicing, wanting to kind of improvise on my own and, you know, mess around. So improvising didn't count towards the 30 minutes? No, no, no. Yeah. No, it can't. <laughs> no, no, no. And you have to ask the teacher to, to if, if they can, uh, you know, teach the child one song they like. Like my son wanted to learn the theme song. I think it was for that show Gravity Falls. Uh, uh-huh. Anyway, they figured. I'm it, not familiar with. It's like show. an animated. It's like a cult hit now. It's there's all sorts of tweets about it all the time now. I don't know what's going on. It's like done, but it's like a. It's very good. I saw some of it. The kids all like sarcastic, funny comedy in their cartoons, like more than I remember it being present. Does that make any sense? Like I don't remember it being that sarcastic as a child. Mm. Right. Right. Well, the kids kids now have more a lot more access to information, so I guess that would make sense. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, speaking of information, earlier, Alex, you were talking about uh, uh, Lucifer on the sofa and how uh, it was going to be more of a live uh, record. That was the plan anyway. And that's why you ended up uh, being in Texas uh, for a while there. And uh, the narrative around the record, and it's maybe it's obvious just by listening to it, is that it is meant to be a little less synthesized than maybe the last, uh, the, the most recent spoon offerings brit i'm i'm nutshelling everything is that about right it was the aim was to do like a a more live rock music record uh as opposed to a more synthesized one if that makes sense does that make sense to you yeah synthesizers were pretty much all but outlawed outlawed oh i see yeah Yeah. Did, did did any synthesizer slip into the record um barely usually when it would come up i would say that's not what that's not what we're we're done. If it was a synthesizer, it had to really feel like it wasn't. You know, mm-hmm. when um, the song Wild starts, uh, I I can't help but feel like, I don't know if it's just treated drums or what's going on, but I was like, oh, this is this sounds a little less, you know, rock drummy, if you will, or rock soundy. Does that, is rock soundy is a, the technical term. Do you know <laughs> what I'm getting at there, Britt? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. It's But it's real drums played along to a programmed... A drum machine, ah, you know. So there's some synthesis. So you got both in there at the same time. Right, okay. Well, when when I say, I mean, synthesizers is what I was talking about. But yeah, generally we tried to, loop, tried to lead away from anything that was mechanical like that and more towards the the band playing in a room sound. Right, right. Now, Alex, you're, you're a keyboard player. Do you play the synthesizers when there's synthesizers uh, in the mix? Yeah, yeah. Okay, um, so this decree comes down. I believe it was a constitutional amendment. Brit said all synthesizers <laughs> were banned. Are you? Are yeah. you do, do you get a little sweat on your brow? Oh no, 
They're coming for my job. No, what am I going to do? We were all. No. <laughs> I see. Being a being a keyboard player, I always wanted to play guitar. Ah. And you know, I like for me, it was like, how can I get a keyboard to sound like a guitar? Hmm. You know, like because all the music I was playing along to as a kid, for the most part, was guitar music. I mean, there was some stuff that was more key, keys. Key, keys were there, but. It was mostly guitar stuff. So I wanted, I wanted to be able to do that. So I was like, here's an opportunity to try to play guitar more. Yeah. Um, yeah. When I met this guy, he told me he could not play guitar or bass and now he plays guitar better than me. That's, that's a, that's subjective. <laughs> I will take the, I'll take the compliment, but I would, but you know, sh- but you definitely told me you couldn't play guitar. You remember that, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I meant like, I can't play, I could do like a power chord and like, yeah. you know, an open, open G chord, but you know, coming in to a room where, you know, to me, you know how to play guitar and saying, I know how to play guitar. It seems like a lie. So I was, I think like, I, no, I don't play guitar. I know how to settle this uh, duel or debate right now. Who, who rips the solo on the hardest cut? Which one of you Either does of this? Me? Oh, neither of oh us. Oh my God. Okay. Well, Gerardo, I'm, I'm Gerardo sorry. Larios, I'm sorry. You're both, de- you're both, uh, demoted, uh, in my mind. That, yeah. that is an amazing solo. That's a great, it is, right? It comes out of nowhere and it just rips through the speakers. I, I love that. So it's, it is a guitar. And that was like, he did that like in like one or two takes. I feel like he, it was like real quick. Yeah. And he's, you know, we wouldn't have been able to do that kind of thing without him being in the band he can play guitar like that yeah you know no it's it's great so i understand that you were touring behind uh hot thoughts i believe it was and and that experience of playing those more synthesize synthesizer oriented uh songs live uh made you kind of come to the conclusion that you'd like sorry the way that you rendered them live made them more rock oriented alex is am i this is clumsy is that right livelier it, was, it um, wasn't it wasn't even just about synthesizers it was about the way that record was made which was a very pieced together a very produced record right you know starting with a with a session in pro tools and sort of that's that's where you're writing the song right you know? right so we wanted to do it a little differently this time yeah. write the songs and then record them fancy that but where I, what i couldn't what i couldn't uh, articulate there is the touring behind those songs had some influence on your approach to making uh-huh. Lucifer on the sofa. Is that a cleaner way of saying it? Yeah, that's definitely. that's true too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So where I'm coming from? So you had that personal experience of taking songs on the road, realizing they they were they were becoming something else as you were playing them. But in in suggesting to each other, let, let let's do a more of a rock and roll oriented album. I wonder if that's a comment on the state of that sound. Uh, those kinds of bands these days. I'm not trying to put too much pressure on you. There's no pressure. I'm not putting the burden on Spoon to save rock and roll. However, I wonder if that's part of the philosophical framework of let's approach this record that way. Britt, were you thinking there was an absence of the kind of music that you ended up making on this record in in society as a whole, if you will? I yeah, I remember I remember saying to people, you know, I think we're I think what we're doing is we're making a rock and roll record and I don't know if that makes any sense you know maybe that's not you know for the world and and where we are right now that maybe that doesn't make sense but it makes sense for us because we're not hearing enough of those kind of records and yeah we feel like we 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 felt like we could make one and knock it out of the park 
you know. Every time you put out a record, that's what everyone says. Oh, they knocked it out of the park. Oh, it's even better than the last one. You ever get sick of hearing that, Brit? It happens all the time. Every time you make a record, it's never good. Okay, just <laughs> never making sure you like compliments. Not everyone likes a compliment. Some people load them, but you. you <laughs> I'm just kidding, Alex. What do you What do you make of this uh, rock and roll discussion? Is Is rock and roll dead, Alex? Uh, did you guys do anything to to help? Uh, you know, sustain? no. I think I think. I see it like a pendulum. Like I think it's actually yeah. on its way back towards people playing with guitars more. I mean, a lot of bands I that are I, coming becoming popular, like Idols, for example. You know, they're they're pretty big, yeah. and like yeah. they're they're a guitar band. So a pretty gnarly guitar band for sure. Like that is not those are not pop songs. Yeah, you guys. Hear, did you guys hear tell of this band Turnstile? Everyone's talking about Turnstile. Yeah, I love them. They're great. Alex, Alex knows them. Yeah. I, I haven't listened to them yet. Yeah, so that's like... I a, saw them on uh, a TV show, and I thought they were great. I saw them on, I think, Kimmel. Yeah, I saw them on Seth Meyers. That is what I think I saw them on. But yeah, yeah. so there is... I think, I think you know, what happened is uh, because of the lockdowns, live music went away. I think maybe as people reevaluate what live music meant to them, maybe that's uh, a good thing for bands who actually play live. I, I don't mean to be reductive in that regard, but... That sound hitting you live of a live guitar and drums. I mean, I, I just remember five, six years ago, it seemed antiquated. And now maybe you're right. Maybe there's just like a everyone's trying to get back what we were missing. Does that make any sense, Alex? Yeah. And I think I think in an even greater sense, or I hope in an even greater sense, people are just sick of getting hammered over the head by a math equation. You know? Mm, yeah. You hear the same stuff over and over again. You know, it's safe. You know, the algorithm approves that this is going to be listened to without it being disruptive to anybody and it's going to all be pleasant. Yeah. And I think... Right. With computers, it's so easy to make perfect sounding records. Yeah. yeah. I don't think people really gravitate towards yeah. that. And Sorry even you. no, you're all good. But even like the the sound of the the sound has been the same. I feel like for so long because the algorithm says that this this is the sound that works. Yeah, and that's not right. natural. Like things evolve and tastes evolve and things change. And I don't think the computer can foresee that or understand why that happens. Yeah. Um, so. I think now what you're seeing is a reaction in some way to people being sick of that. You know, the same song you're basically hearing recycled over and over again. And I'm not saying it's going away, but there seems to be more people that are interested in not doing that. I mean, I mean, not to draw, draw too fine a, a point to this, or, or rather draw a line to this, but... I will say, so for around two years, we were all mostly isolated and living through these computers. So I, I want to go mm. back to the, the technology aspect of it as well. I, I really do think seeing someone playing an instrument and hearing them play an instrument is a lot different than seeing someone playing to any kind of backing track uh, or knowing yes. that a rock band's augmenting whatever they're doing on stage with presets or whatever you want to call it. So uh, backing tracks of any kind. So all I'm getting at is... We are slowly starting as things open up and ha have opened up. I think people are like, I don't want any computer in my life at all. Uh, you know, lock up right. my phone. I, I want to just watch the show. I don't even care. So maybe I'm over romanticizing that. But Britt, do you feel do you know where I'm coming from there? Like maybe just people are sick of technology because they had no choice 
but to use it for the last couple of years. Maybe. <laughs> I think you could be right. That's a good answer. I feel like that's all that, that demanded, really, is a maybe. Yeah. Alex, any thoughts on <laughs> my wild theorizing? I think it might be slightly more romantic than the reality. I agree. I, as but I, as I, I, yeah. I, I, but I, you know, I hope so. That'd be cool. <laughs> yeah, I, we, we, we hope that you're right. Okay. As I posit theories on the show, I sometimes realize that they're bullshit as I'm saying them, but I have to see them through. You see what I'm saying? So sorry about that. Uh, speaking. No, you're. <laughs> go ahead. You're good. You're good. You're riffing. You're good. I'm riffing. Yeah. Speaking of uh, people who riff, who are uh, organic, who are rockers, Bill Callahan. Uh, I think he would uh, appreciate those uh, descriptions. Bill uh, and I uh, have spoken many times. He's been on this show a, a number of times now, and uh, oh, wow. I'm yeah. a fan of, fan of his. Not only have you covered uh, a great uh, Bill Callahan song, Held, leads off your album. So I find this interesting on two levels. Uh, I, I know a bit of the story about uh, how you used to cover the Spoon used to cover this song. Uh, Britt, when was it that you used to cover it primarily? In the mid-2000s. Right. So you would cover it live, and then it just sort of organically came up in these sessions. You just started yeah. some... Is that what happened? Is that right? Yeah, it came up. It was a song that we played live for maybe a year and a half, and then I don't know why it, it fell out of the set list, but it did. And then when we were just trying to get in the mood one day, I said, let's play this one. Let's, right. I just I called this out, and I think we took one listen to it, and... Um, <laughs> I used to play the play the lead guitar on this song, but now that we have Gerardo, the guy that did the the lead yeah. on Hardest Cut in the yeah. band, so he I let him take the lead. <laughs> and when and when that happened, all of a sudden it had the, these teeth, and uh, it just sounded really good. I said, and so we it, suddenly it was more than just an exercise. But the thing that I and and like I said, let's record it. But the thing that I find really interesting is that we get asked about it being first on the record so often, and I never once thought oh. bef before we started doing interviews for this record, that that would be so interesting to people, you know, that, that really the reason it, it happened is because the beginning of that recording has this great studio chatter and the producer uh, engineer slating the tape, so to speak, and um, these weird sounds that happen. And you put that first on a record and it sort of is a nice setup that tells the story. It conveniently told the story of what we want, thought the record was about, about just a band that's in the room and we're doing it, ah, you know, okay. doing it live and we're, we're, we're going for it. Okay. So I, and I, I guess uh, it turns out this is a pretty obvious question. I didn't realize you were being asked about it so often, but. Oh no, no, but it's great. It's, uh, I guess it is strange that it's a cover that leads it off. Right. I mean, that's, that's what's been pointed out to me. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's strange in that. You know, the lead song on a record is a tone setter. So I actually really appreciate what you're saying. That studio chatter. In fact, like just for those who haven't heard it yet, uh, you're yelling out instructions during the song. Is that right? Yeah. So in the, I think I was yelling to do the, some, some bit twice as long. Yeah. The little, uh, what are yeah, they? The, the yeah. Little, that like. The little fill. Yeah. That gap. Yeah. yeah. So it, on the, on the, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say it has this organic quality like that. I get all those things, but. Yeah, it's just yeah. Maybe there's no grand point to it. It's just a sequencing decision. I get what you're saying, but to start off with a cover, like how often have you started? There's no ego involved, you know. Yeah, that's true too. Maybe that's why covers don't usually start it out. Um, hmm. But the, but we try not to bring ego ego to decisions like sequencing. Yeah. 
Well, I, I uh, saw Bob Dylan a bunch of times in like uh, 2001, 2002, and he would start every show with uh, a different cover. And uh, I got obsessed with oh, really? I got obsessed with those covers. Uh, like I got I became more mm. obsessed with like, oh, what's this Bill Monroe song that I don't know? Then that led me yeah. because I am an acolyte. I'm like, well, what's Bob trying to get me to do here? So then I would go down all the paths. And all I'm saying is, it's a nice, it's a, also a generous gesture. I think probably maybe you don't think of it this way, but you know, you have an audience. You know, some of them might not know this Bill Callahan fellow. It's a really, I think it's a no, I don't want to say noble. Alex, you know what I'm getting at here? I feel like it's a nice way of introducing an artist to an audience that may not know him. Does that make any sense? Sure. Yeah. 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 It's like kind of sharing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I get that. Okay. So, Britt, do you see where I'm coming from with that? Because I think it's great. It's it's a nod of respect for sure. But we're also, we're getting something great from him, you know? Yeah. And a lot of people who heard this record, if they didn't, know better or read a bio what they wouldn't know what whose song it was right you know right right and you you communicated with bill about it is that right i sent it to him yeah and uh his response was i think three words like oh. i think it was ha that's great <laughs> that sounds like <laughs> which what is like. so bill Ke- yeah, yeah. <laughs> i used to see you know he lives in austin i used to see him all a bit you know, especially at Emo's when the old Emo's was downtown, I'd I'd see Bill, but um, I haven't seen him in a second. Oh, okay. But so I'm just saying we had a little bit of a history together. We would I would we would say hello. We played a we played a show or two together. So. Yeah, well, he's a, one of the greats, and I can verify that for many times I've texted Bill. It's yeah, three or four words uh, that, <laughs> that you get back. So it's pretty normal. Um, so I do want to, I mentioned Bob Dylan, uh, and we talked earlier about the song The Devil and Mr. Jones. And I can't help but ask, is is this Mr. Jones related to the one in Bob Dylan's Ballad of I think so. Man? Yeah, there's, yeah. A, there's a lot of Mr. Jones that are that are related, I think. You know, there's the psychedelic furs Mr. Jones, there's the Amy Winehouse Mr. Jones. Yes. He's fun to write about. What about the Counting I, Crows? Just, there's I'll, the Counting Crows song too, yeah. right? Yeah, there's that one too. Yeah. I'll just say that um, I was aware as I was writing the lyrics that of the history there, and I went with it because I, I was like, okay, I, I'm going to be one of those people that contribute another song about Mr. <laughs> Jones. That's cool. Now, in your song, which is the song is called The Devil and Mr. Jones, but my reading was that Mr. Jones himself might be a con man of some kind. Is that fair? Yeah, for sure. Okay. Yeah, he's a con man. What's the con? Where do you think the con's coming from? What is the con? I mean, we list some of the cons in the song. You know, he'll tell your mother she can sing again, and he'll sell her a melody. I see. He's not. He's not an archetype. He's not standing in for some great. It's just a guy. He sucks. Oh, he's a con man. I had some very. I had some people in mind. That's what I thought. That's what I was thinking. That. that <laughs> but I'll let you. I'll oh, let you speculate. I don't like how the work you're making me do. To do you want? Do, yeah. Do you want Bob Dylan to tell you what his song is about? Like I don't. You know. Every time I send an interview request into Bob Dylan's people, that's literally what I say. I want him to tell me <laughs> what every song means. And, and does and does he? And, and they say, oh, he's not available to do that right now. Right. <laughs> Sorry, sir. And I say, okay. Good, good luck, good luck. I just got to go to the, I got invited to go to the Bob Dylan Center in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Any of you two been to, uh, Alex, you ever been to uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma? Yeah, we played a bunch there. We're going soon. Are you going, you're going to Tulsa to play, uh, where, K- aren't we? Kane's Ballroom or something? Yeah, I think we're going to the Ballroom, yeah. Oh, it's great. We yeah. played, we played, and I didn't, we played there a few times. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, it's great. If you, I, I didn't know there was a Bob Dylan Center there. There's a Woody Guthrie Center down uh, right around there near Canes. So you go down the street there, and then you go left on, I forget what they named the street. But yeah, the Woody Guthrie Center and the Bob Dylan Center are on the same block. And I'll tell you what, you want to go to the Bob Dylan Center? I will hook both of you up. All of you. I'll hook your band up if you want. I All know right. some people. I would, I would be down to go. You should sure. definitely go. Yeah. It's fantastic. The the uh, exhibits change all the time every few months, I believe. And uh, they it's great. So anyway, I just wanted to... I like Bob Dylan. That was the point of this little story. Anyway, I just think... <laughs> I think it's great. Alex, do you have any uh, uh, any any more intel about uh, Mr. Jones before we leave this behind? Nothing. Yeah, nothing. You feel like... Lip, my lips are sealed, Your man. lips are sealed as well. Okay, I appreciate that. Well, listen... I feel like we've gotten to some things. Is there anything else you want to say about this record? I'm just mindful of the time. I don't want to keep you guys too late. And I appreciate this discussion, but uh, everything else is good. I, the one thing that came up in the press, by the way, Britt, you said something. I didn't see too many pe- people pick it up. You were like, is this the last Spoon record? Is that, were you just riffing? Is that, is that still a when thought? When did you I have? say that? I believe uh, it was. In I don't know. I, it could always be the last Spoon record, right? Well, that's true. That's true. It was in what? I, I think I've, I've sort of veered off on some tangents where I might have talked about that, but it wasn't like in the press material, was it? No, no, not at all. It was in a like a Spin Magazine interview. I don't normally read okay. uh, interviews with people I'm about to interview, but I just thought I'd see what was going on. Alex, did you hear tell of this? Uh, that uh, <laughs> that might be it? If I, no, and, it, and I wouldn't believe it if I heard it. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was just a philosophical, like, what's... I think you're funny, man. <laughs> really? But should it... I? Yeah, this is something we got, we got to talk about um, off air. What? What do you mean? What part? I mean, sorry, I don't mean just, the press. Just like, what? what, what? It, it's always possible that it's the last one. Sure. Totally. Yeah. That's 100% true. Yeah. But knowing you, like, if it's not a spoon record, I don't, I don't think you would stop making music. Right. No, I wasn't saying that. No, I, I just... I think Brit is the kind of person that will always be making music. So that's why that kind of statement would be funny to me. Not because it could be the last Spoon record, but, you know, this guy's always going to be working on music. That's just what he does. So we're about 30 years into the existence of this band. Brit, have you ever thought this after a record was done before? Have you ever uttered this like, well, maybe that's it? Have you ever thought that? I've thought it. I've thought it, yeah. Okay. So, I mean, it's just, a, isn't it a natural thing to do after you've drained your reserves of ideas and be like oh god i don't want to ever do that again come up with ideas it sucks yeah staring a record down when you're um when you haven't written any songs yet yeah it's a it's a little if you let look at it the wrong way it could be a little daunting you you got to look at it as think about the fun that you're going to have making it yeah well i hope you had fun making this one it sounds like you came up with uh, basically an aesthetic idea and you pursued it and it totally worked. So yeah, well thanks. Yeah. No, it's a I did have fun. And when we could when we could get back together again, it was something cuz for 4 months or so, 5 months in the middle of making this record, we could not get together. Yeah. And when we finally did, boy, we really appreciated it. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah, it was awesome. Now you do have was, you've meant I loved it. Well, and, and you do have Gerardo. We've talked about Gerardo, but you've got uh at least one new Another new member, is that right, Alex? Yeah, Benny Troken. Right. So you've got that, and then there's a, we didn't really talk about all the collab. You've got a number of collaborators on this record. Is that right, Britt? Yeah. 
<laughs> you mean turn mixers and oh, producers? Well, yeah. You've also uh, you've got a song. There's a co-credit here. I see a couple, maybe. Uh, oh, it's writing. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, who who are they? Do you want to cite them or do you hate them now and don't want to talk about them? No. Okay, just make it. There's this. I mean, you might be talking about the one song that I co-wrote with Jack Antonoff. Co-wrote a song, bunch of songs with Alex too. Yeah, yeah. I see that, Alex. Was uh, that is that new for you, Alex, to be brought in as a co-writer? Yeah, I get. I, I, it kind of just happened. <laughs> I don't know. Like, did some on the last one. Yeah, I did a little bit on the last one, and we just, it's fun working with him. So we just kind of get together and shit happens, and then you realize, oh, we wrote that was written. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's not like it. It wasn't like a. I formally invite you now to do a co-write. It was more. It just kind of just <laughs> it just kind of happens, you know. <laughs> No, no blood ceremony or anything like that. Right, no one was accusing you. No, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, we, yeah, we wrote together, and and yeah, Jack Antonoff is a guy that I wrote with for for one afternoon a long time ago, and we came up with some cool music, and yeah, I tried for years to put words to that music, and I would put something down, I'd come back a couple months later, listen to it, and say that's not quite it. Yeah, um, let me try this. And then it just kept going on. Finally, I got something good during uh, during lockdown phase. Yeah, and, uh, and it finally made the record. So it's a Texas record in a geographic sense. Obviously, it was made there. Uh, you were listening to a lot of ZZ Top, I think I read somewhere. Is that right, Britt? Yeah, I got to see ZZ Top. Somehow, I had never seen them until 2019. You know, even though I've you know being in Texas as long as I have, um, mm-hmm. and and I think that that, and then also I saw their uh, documentary that came out around then mm-hmm. and that just sent me down a down a winding road where I had to go get most if not all of the records and go do a deep dive and and it was right around then that Alex and I uh, drove from California to Texas and when we got here the first song we wrote was The Hardest Cut which kind of oh, wow. we thought it sounded like Highway Rock Texas Highway Rock maybe yeah, I was trying to figure it out. I was trying to play guitar along to the record today, and I couldn't figure out what the hell was going on. I'm not very gifted at this stuff, but I was just trying to figure out what the hell was going on. It's cool. You got to do drop D on that. Yeah, I thought that's probably what was going on there. Yeah. yeah. I was just riffing yeah. around when... Uh, sorry, this is too much about me. I don't know why I'm talking, telling you about this. I don't know what I'm that's doing. That's all right. <laughs> no, it's uh, all I'm getting at is it's a very great record. It's very catchy in that regard. Alex, does this experience of making this record... Uh, a spoon record this way does it do you feel like I know we were talking about how the band might be done because of something I read but do you have a <laughs> sense of uh, where the band could go already at this point Alex like do you, do you have a sense of what the next maybe approach might be no it will it will be revealed in time I think but right now just still enjoying playing this record and you know it's still very new being able to play it for people and, and having them know it so kind of just in that mode still yeah Britt you might know more about the future uh, than Alex or I about Spoon I mean and maybe just generally you're a soothsayer let's all admit it what do you think mm-hmm. is coming up next for Spoon well we're in that touring mode you know and I and I love touring it's one of my favorite parts of doing what we do mm-hmm. and my head is really in that right now Okay. There, you know, I feel like we're lucky that at least most of it. I mean, I, I speaking for myself, I feel lucky that I love 
be, you know, waking up on a tour bus and playing shows every night, you know? Yeah. Because I know a lot of musicians who don't. Yeah. And I just don't think you should go out there if you don't. I, I, I really love it. That's what's on the agenda for the coming months. But yeah, I'm starting to think about, I, I've been texting with Alex and saying, hey, what do you think about this? And when, maybe we should go here and do some writing. You know? Yeah. Okay. We're, we're at that stage of it where we're starting to talk about locations. I, I'm not sure if it's going to be the south of France or Lockhart, but yeah. one, <laughs> one or the other. Brad, are you a guy, uh, are you a person that uh, uh, writes down lyric ideas before you've got uh, a kind of soundscape? Yeah. Soundscape in place? Are you a jotter? Yeah, I'm always writing, always trying to write lyrics. Yeah. Um, or or just just write down some f- funny turn of phrase or a thought. Right. Okay. <laughs> Where I just, I'm at. So have you yeah. started any of that? It sounds like you do it constantly. I'm always doing that. Yeah. That part's not super intense. It's just kind of it happens when it happens. And then I end up with a, a big page or a big f- document of of directions to go in some of them more filled out than others yeah. and that's uh that's where i turn i see okay so there are some tour dates uh as we've established i'm in edmonton alberta you've got some alberta uh tour dates coming we're up. going deep in canada this time we've yeah, never yeah. gone like this no it's it's great is it because yeah. you're scouting out a, a new place to live because your country's so fun <laughs> <laughs> it's crossed my mind possibly <laughs> <laughs> no i'm i'm only vaguely kidding, I think, at this point. I don't even know what's uh, what to say. If people We're are even going to Regina, man. Regina? It's pronounced Regina. Regina, is that how you say, is that what you call it? Yeah. Regina? Regina, yeah. That just sounds wrong. Well, man. I know what you're thinking, and you're not the first to think it. Uh, <laughs> let me just put it to you that way. It's, uh, yeah. Regina, Saskatchewan. We're even going to Regina. Regina, Saskatchewan. Yeah. Are you going to Saskatoon? Yes, yes, we're going there. That's a fun, that's more fun to say somehow. Well, Depends on your perspective. But Saskatoon is a pretty fun word. It's lots of fun. I'm happy you're coming to Canada. It's great. I mean, it, it, this is the yeah. most extensive you know. That's great. So I don't know if, who is more equipped. Alex, do you know, like, uh, if people want to learn more about Spoon, do you know where to go or should I direct that to Brit? They should just come to a show. No, 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 no. How are they going to find out about the show <laughs> unless you tell them your socials and your website? They can't just randomly... You know, I'm trying to get them to the shows. Is what I'm saying. So, is there? Well, yeah, we have all of the. We have social media. We have a. We have an Instagram. It's, uh, you can just search Spoon, even. You know? Yeah, yeah, that's easy to easy to Google. There's Spoon. There's a great spoon, site called Spoon Fuck Band. Yeah, spoon. spoon Spoon Band, as opposed to Spoon Man. Yeah, Spoon. Yeah, Band. Google Spoon Band instead of just. Even spoon if you band. just Google Spoon, I think that's what comes up. Did you make some sort of deal with the Google people? Yeah. We we are the only yeah, spoon. That's the first thing that comes oh up. Oh my god. Okay. Wow. Okay. You've really that's that's a testament to the We've made it, man. high standards that you How put out of the world. You've taken over a utensils status. That is pretty incredible. Okay, so people can learn yeah. more about spoon uh wherever they go there, and that's great. Uh if we can go out on a song uh from this new record, uh this is always touchy when I have two people on, but I want to uh ask one of you to pick the song and the other one has veto power. So I'm going to go to Alex to pick a song from the new record that we can go out on. But Britt, this means you have complete and utter veto power. Yeah. Okay, so Alex, Alex, it. what would you like to, to, to play right now? What, what can we play? From the new record? I, I think that would make the most sense. We're, we're trying to right. promote the new record, yes. My favorite right now is probably Satellite. Oh, okay. Why, why, why is that? 
I just, I really love the way it turned out. We had tried recording it before and it didn't hit right. And for whatever reason, I don't, I don't know, but, um, this time it worked. He's, he's proud that we got it right this time. Yeah. Okay. And I, I think I love the guitar solos on it. Um, I just think it's <laughs> got a great those. vibe. I did one and Gerardo did the other and, uh, I just got, it's got a great vibe. I, I really love it. Yeah. I think it's noble for my notes. I believe it's noble of you to pick that song because it's one of the few you didn't co-write. Well, you know, like Britt was saying earlier, we try to keep it egoless. Yeah. You know? No, I'm just saying it's commendable. I, I have new respect for you as a human being. That you would you could have picked <laughs> you, you could have taken all the limelight from somebody. Uh Britt, are you okay with that choice going out on satellite? I'm gonna sign that in I'm signing that into law. <laughs> the spoon law. Okay. No and it is written. And it is written. This is satellite. By Spoon from their beautiful and amazing new record, Lucifer on the Sofa, which is available now. Learn more about them by Googling Spoon. Britt, Alex, thank you so much for being on the show. I hope you enjoyed it and uh, best of luck in the future. Oh, it's a real pleasure. Thank you, Vish. It's a pleasure. Yeah, thanks, for, thanks for having us on, Vish.
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Very special thanks again to Britt and Alex of Spoon for appearing on this, the 700th episode of Creative Control which is part of the Entertainment One Podcast Network and is available wherever you get your podcasts. If you can't find an episode that you heard about and you're looking for it, or if you want to learn more about me and sign up for my monthly newsletter, please visit vishkana.com. You can also like Creative Control on Facebook or follow the show on Twitter at vishcreative, or you can follow me directly on Twitter and on Instagram at vishkana. Also, please visit patreon.com slash Control to make a flexible monthly donation to sustain this podcast that is the primary source of revenue for all of the work that goes into making this podcast so thank you in advance for uh, donating and thanks to all of you who already donate we have a small but loyal and supportive following so thank you uh, six dollars or more a month grants you access to exclusive content some of that is derived from fresh episodes that i record Go do a little bit of overtime with people. Uh, some of it is derived from my old interviews that I have conducted uh, prior to starting this podcast. And so, yeah, $6 or more a month grants you access to that. And if you're inter- interested in receiving a Creative Control t-shirt, just message me on Patreon and I will get you one while supplies last. Hey, by the way, for those of you waiting, I think there's three of you waiting for shirts. Just got the envelopes. There was like an envelope shortage or something. And I had envelopes shipped to my house so they're here i'll get you your shirts in the mail you know who you are again patreon.com slash creative control to make that flexible monthly donation thanks again also thanks to the fine alberta record retailer blackbird music with locations in calgary and edmonton alberta you can learn more about them and order things from them i believe at blackbird.ca also want to thank pizza trocadero the bookshelf and planet bean coffee in guelph ontario and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario, for their in-kind support for this show throughout almost all 700 episodes. Also, thanks to Jim Guthrie for letting me use music of his on this show. You can learn more about Jim at jimguthrie.org. And finally, thank you so much for listening to this episode with Britt and Alex from Spoon. I hope you enjoyed it, and we'll check out their new album, Lucifer on the Sofa, and go see them live if they're coming to a town near you, and it sounds like they might be. They're hitting the road hard thanks also for subscribing to this podcast or following it and telling your friends about it and just spreading the word about it Uh, you know it means a lot i get to 700 episodes to make 700 of anything it's special for me so thank you so much for your support and for listening to this show 
Uh, I will talk to you soon for episode 701. Be well. Bye for now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.